Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This conversation, and we are live. Hi, everyone. So here we are live with Julia Glowinski. She's a sleep expert. My goodness, I cannot wait to get into this conversation. After our last chat, you might have noticed I'm working from my office, not from my bedroom. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> the world of difference. Like I was really resistant to that because I had my routine. But now when I took all of my work stuff out of my bedroom, and we're going to talk about environments. I got so many questions. I've been making a list of all the questions that the members have. And I know you have your own um, things that you want to share with us. We're going to run through all of them. Um, but I noticed in clearing out my space, um, I walked into my room and my brain functioned differently. It was like, it was clean, it was clear, you know, it wasn't, I didn't realize that my workspace immediately caused my brain to go into like work mode. Like even if I wasn't working, as soon as I walked into my bedroom, my brain went work mode and I didn't notice it until I took all my work stuff out. It was freaking game changer. I'm so happy I noticed that. And I'm so happy that you did that because that's a huge, huge step. And so many people are struggling with that, right? Because we're all working yeah. from home and sometimes kids are doing online learning. And it's yeah. a huge, huge thing to try and navigate where you can work. So I'm so glad you have a space. So I am listening, mind you, I'm still not quite there yet. So I want to get into it. But before, before, but for our members who are new to you, why don't you talk a little bit about yourself? Like, how did you get involved with sleep? Like, where does that passion come from? Um, you know, what do you do? So just if you want to introduce yourself a little bit and just talk about who you are. Perfect. Um, so my name is Julia Glowinski, and I'm the founder of Glow Sleep Services, which is a sleep-based uh, social work practice in Ontario. I work with people of all ages, from infants and having trouble with getting our toddlers to sleep to ah. teens and adults, mm -hmm. um, trying to get optimal sleep and trying to get to the root causes of what we can do to sleep better, to sleep longer, and trying to really make it um, achievable so that we're not necessarily following all these black and white rules that we all know, but how can we find that gray that's going to work for us, what we can do to make little changes along the way. I love it. I'm excited. Okay. So let's talk about sleep. Let's just break her down. Cause I got a lot of questions. How much sleep do we actually need? We need like different research shows, different things, but around for adults, seven to nine hours okay. is kind of what we want to achieve. And is there such a thing as too much sleep? There can be. And if you're sleeping for too long, it could be something called hypersomnia when oh. we are getting too much sleep. And that's something to look into just the same way we look into what happens if we're only sleeping for four hours and can't sleep longer. Okay. But if we're sleeping too long, it may also indicate that our sleep quality is not what we want. Mm. So we may have a breathing issue in our sleep that we don't know about or something else okay. may be going on in sleep that's making us more tired, more difficult to get out of bed. And that's why we're getting so much sleep. Okay. And then how do you know, like, how do you know how much your body needs and can you make up for sleep that you can't get? Like, should we aim for the same number every night is, should we expect to sleep the same the length of time every night? Like Sonia, for example, she, she wakes up every morning at like six something before her alarm, even when she wants to sleep in, she's, she's, she's waking up at that time, right? Like, do we, do we want to aim for us? Like, so say if you wake up at six, but you can sleep into eight, should you go back and continue to sleep into eight? Like, how do you know how much you need? So the idea is to try and get up at the same time every day in the morning. Okay. And this is even more important than going to bed at the same time at night. Oh, because okay. When we, I mean, it's important to try to do both. Okay. But for a lot of us, we have different things going on. We have different responsibilities. So if we're staying up late one night, the idea is to try and wake up at the same time every day in the morning. Now on the weekend or a couple of days a week, you can sleep in ideally just an extra hour. Okay. But the whole idea is that if we 
start sleeping in and try and make up sleep. So let's say I stayed up really late last night because I was binging Netflix or whatever I was doing, which is probably like the most biggest reason why I would stay up late. And then we, I, I had the luxury of sleeping until 11, which would never happen. But if it did, what yeah. happens is when I try and go back to bed at night at 11, I've only been awake for 12 hours. So I yeah. haven't built up enough sleep pressure in order to be tired enough to fall asleep. What do you and mean I by made, that? What do you mean by that? Well, if you think of it like, um, two ways, like, okay, for example, um, you know what those water parks and you have that annoying bucket of water and then something you like walk under and it just flips over on you. Yeah. Okay. So if like throughout the day, we're building up something called adenosine as we expend energy and it's like, we're filling our bucket, filling our bucket, filling our bucket so that we're tired enough to fall asleep. And then when we're trying to get to bed at the right time, the bucket. Using our energy. energy. Yes. So the bucket fills over and we have enough and like enough um, water you can say in the bucket to flip over and go to bed the same way like you're filling up a gas tank so you're so filling it up as the time goes on as we expend energy so, so that we have you, a full gas tank going to bed so is it a matter of tiring yourself out or is it the time you're actually awake what is it it's both oh it's both. it's both so that's why it's so important to make sure that we have enough hours that we're up for during the day mm-hmm as well as making sure that we're exercising. So the recommendation is like 20 to 30 minutes of like fairly vigorous or aerobic activity, which a lot of us aren't getting, but even if we can get a few minutes or park a little further away from the grocery store or go for a walk around the block, any little bit helps to try and tire ourselves out so that when we get into bed, we're more likely to fall asleep easier and sleep better. So can you make up for sleep that you didn't get by sleeping longer the next day? It, does that, does that work? Can you it do doesn't that? really work like that. Like it may feel like it. So yes, like if you, if you had a really bad night last night, you could get more sleep tonight and feel a hundred percent better, but that's not the way, like, it's not the healthy way to go. That is not, it's not uh, the same type of functioning. That's not what we really want to do. Okay. So to be clear, it's more important to wake up the same time every day than it is to go to bed at the same time every day. If you had to choose one, yes. Although both are very important. Okay. What about weekends? Like what is that doing to our sleep schedule when, you know, maybe we're going to bed at like nine, 10 at night, but we're trying to stay up to watch Saturday Night Live, which I can never seem to do. <laughs> but I'm trying to stay up late to have like, you know, feel like my weekends are different and I'm partying, even though I've been in my house for the last couple of years. Like, is that, is that like, is that like, is that. Sorry, you're cutting out a little sleep, bit. Or is there something to be said for. So, so when it comes to sleep, like staying up on the weekends, right? Like, does that, yes. does, are we playing catch up? Like, is how damaging is it to be staying up late on the weekends? Like, how I mean, it is different. Ideally, like I said, ideally we're going to bed at the same time. So it can be damaging. We're losing sleep. Um, so we're not necessarily getting potentially as much deep sleep or as much REM sleep because we need like the more we sleep, the more we get of these things. So as long as we're still within a healthy range, that's okay. But ideally we're trying to go to bed around the same time. And if you stay up late, which, cause it's not realistic for all of us to go to bed at the same time every night. It's just no. not. No. So if that happens, I mean, by all means, just you can sleep in a little bit, but try not to go over that hour in the morning. Got it. But, but I'm just thinking of people on plan and they're trying to maximize their efforts. And that's what we're talking about. Right. And getting that better sleep. Like if there's something to be said about momentum and the weekends, you know, if going to bed, making a point while you're trying to lose going to bed during the weekends at that earlier time is going to be like that, that much more of a significant impact. Like how much would you say, as opposed to, you know, someone who's trying to stay up at night and like, are you playing catch up from that? Or if I get a good night's sleep and got to early bird, it got to sleep early the next day, I'm kind of resetting all that. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. So physiologically, we're still running into a few issues, but yes, like you're still getting back in the habit of things, which is really important. And I think you bring up a good point. And that is that a lot of these sleep rules are black and white. Okay. Yeah. Um, you have to do this. You have to do that. You have to shut off your phone an hour before bed. It's very black and white. Okay. And we need to find the gray that's going to work for us. And we have to take things with a grain of salt. So if our sleep, if we feel like we're getting good quality sleep and we don't have issues falling asleep or staying asleep, 
Mm-hmm. I don't like personally, yeah, stay up late, have fun, live your life. But like for the majority of the time, we want to have good sleep. So for yeah. the majority of the time, we don't want to stay up till two in the morning. But if you do one day, I wouldn't, I think that's fine. Now, when you're in the habit of trying to actively work on your sleep and you take a few weeks because the last few weeks you've struggled with a bit of um, whether it's short-term insomnia or just really, really just fragmented sleep and you're trying to get back on track, that's when I would follow the rules more closely. Okay, so in me making an active push, obviously to get better sleep, like me working really hard during the week and then keeping my ass up till one o'clock in the morning on the weekends, really not helping me get into the groove of that good sleep. But once I'm getting consistently good sleep, I'll have some more wiggle room to maybe stay up later. But while I'm trying to create those good sleep patterns, going to bed consistently and waking up consistently, obviously key. A hundred percent, because it's not realistic for us always to go to bed at the same time and always (laughs) wake up. And sometimes when I'm talking to adults about their sleep, it's easier to talk about it in terms of babies. So when you're trying to get your baby back like on track and sleeping and on a schedule, you're going to stay home for those few weeks, yeah. for those weeks or something you're working on it. And then as soon as you're in a routine, your baby knows how to sleep, your baby knows how to nap. Okay. Then you're going to go and do a, a, a nap in the stroller or a nap at your parents' house, whatever it is. But for yeah. when you're actually trying to make a change and actively make a change, stick to the rules as much as possible. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's it, it's kind of amazing that I need to be told that because it makes so oh, much it's sense. <laughs> it's all of that. It, sometimes we need to just kind of have it explained in a different way. And it's all a reminder because it's hard to keep track of all these different things we need to do, we often forget about our sleep and our sleep is just so, so important in order to have a healthy lifestyle at all. We can't forget that important. Actually part of the lifestyle, because when I think like I'm working so hard and, you know, I I just like staying up late is sort of my one treat, you know, or it's me time, but it's not really me time. If it's causing me to feel tired every day, because I'm not getting on a good sleep cycle. Okay. What about, let's talk about that's called revenge sleep procrastination when we stay up and it's so common. Like I bet there's so many people here who are experiencing it. And I do too. It's like, I deserve this. Like I have everything. I it's been such a busy day. I've worked. I've been with my kids. I've done whatever I need to do. Um, this is my time for Netflix. Yeah. And in, yes, we don't want to sacrifice our sleep. And also that time is really important because there's this physical restoration period that we need of like actually sleep of restoring mm-hmm. our, you know, physically, but at the same time, we need to wind down mentally. And uh, sometimes, unfortunately, that is when no one's calling us, no one's emailing us, emailing us. So we do tend up wanting to um, end up wanting to stay up later. Or is it the thing? real thing? <laughs> I want to talk quickly about coffee because I've got a tickle in my throat, so I'm drinking it. But what about caffeine? Like, does it actually mess with sleep? I know some people it does, and some people it does. some people think I could drink a coffee right before bed. It doesn't bother me. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah. So ideally, the recommendation for coffee is no more than two cups um, after 10 a.m. So two cups should be finished by 10 a.m. Okay. Gina is <laughs> a little bit over, but it really depends on your body. Some people can have a cup of coffee in the afternoon and have no issues with sleep. So mm-hmm. it is a personal thing. However, again, if you're struggling with your sleep, I would definitely try to either reduce your caffeine intake or yeah. bring it a little bit earlier. The same exact thing with alcohol. Okay. Although like we- not before 10 a.m. Yeah, no, for, <laughs> alcohol after 11, you're fine. Just not before 10 and then after not before 11. <laughs> Ideally, um, after seven. Again, I mean, obviously it's pointing at the obvious. We would assume that caffeine plays a role, but like, I just want to ask just to, just to, just for sake of clarity, what about what you wear to bed? Like what is, does what, like what should be, we, we, I mean, obviously it's like personal choice, but ideally, like, should we be sleeping naked? Should we be sleeping in a cold room? Like, like what, what should we wear? Does it matter? So, So it's kind of two parts. So one in terms of what we actually wear, whatever makes you comfortable. Yeah. For some people, that's really soft pajamas. For some people, that's just underwear and a tank top. Whatever you're comfortable in and making sure that you can control temperature. So yes, we do want to sleep in a cool environment. And this is very, very important. Like, of course, we want to be cozy, but a cool environment actually helps with melatonin because overnight, naturally, our body drops one or two degrees. Mm-hmm. Uh, which helps with melatonin production. Melatonin actually causes this to happen. Um, and that helps us sleep better. And then as we get older, our, that 
variation in body temperature actually slows down, mm. which makes it harder to sleep as we age. Right. So having right. a cold environment helps kind of facilitate this because our body's not doing it naturally. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I could put on the flannel jammies as long as the room temperature was cool. Right. Yeah. Because I, I find like, I don't, I can't get to sleep if it's cold. I want to be comfy. And I got the big, you know, duvets and I I'll ask you about the weighted blanket in a second. I got on that. And then like no short of five seconds later, I'm kicking all hot and open up the window. And I mean, this could be hormones could be hormones. However, you know, it happens all the time. Like I, it's too cold. And then, especially when I stay at a hotel, like it's kind of cold, but then I always have the best sleeps at a hotel, I think, cause it is kind of cooler in the room. Cause I like to sleep with my fireplace on. So something to be said for that. A hundred percent. And yes, we don't want to be overheated. So that's something to make sure of as well. And that's yeah. hard because yes, a lot of women have hot flashes, especially during our period or after babies. And that is, um, why it's sometimes harder to sleep when we have our period or the three to six days before. In fact, yeah. like 70% of women experience that sleep issues with their period. Yeah, that's a whole other, oh my goodness, conversation. <laughs> Is there a specific room temperature, like an ideal, ideal room temp? I like between 18 and 22. I find okay. 18, 19, like really cold, but mm -hmm. some people really like it. So somewhere around there. Um, okay. And again, just making sure that your, your blankets are what you want in terms of temperature wise. So if you're too hot, get a cooler one. And I know I think you got like 10 last time we talked, <laughs> but, and that's why a lot of couples, even like a lot of people don't share a room, but if you are like sharing a room with your partner, a lot yeah. of people have separate blankets. I was just gonna say, let's talk about, we'll talk about environment, but let's talk about the bed because after I did talk to you, I went home since I, you know, because I love it right like a nice cozy room I love loungewear and all of that like but you know is there something to be do we sleep better with like a thousand thread count sheets than we do with whatever like does that make a difference or is it just your own personal sense of comfort? it's really I think it's really whatever you're more comfortable with I okay. just got um the best I'm obsessed with my comforter I just got for my birthday um it's UGG it's UGG oh. comforter uh -huh. and it's it's really, really warm. So a lot of people would hate it, but I just, like, I love going to bed. Like I just love it now. Um, I'll what, about the weighted, what about the weighted blanket? So that's something that I also love. And this has caused a huge issue for me because it's not weighted. Um, and I love my weighted blanket too. So now I kind of sleep with both on my bed and I, I don't know what to do. It's really funny if you see it. Um, yeah. I'm obsessed with my weighted blanket. So a weighted blanket uses something called deep touch pressure stimulation. And I think it originally started with the, um, in the, the autism world. And also it's really helpful for people with ADHD. But what it does is it has this deep, deep touch pressure that causes our, that can cause us to have more serotonin, our calming hormone and less cortisol, which is our stress hormone. Um, so I, I really I'm like really, it. Sorry, I yeah. like it because I do that thing where you, when I'm sleeping and I, Joe, do you know babies? You no know babies. Cause you know when kids startle reflex. Yeah, and the, the kids and they're, they're sleeping all of a sudden the baby's like and then they calm back down. Like is that is that is is that what's is the weighted blanket helping us? Is that I mean, it can, it can. Well, I wouldn't use it for babies, but I know what you're saying. Um, yeah. it, just, just to put that out there. Um, well, that's why we spot we swaddle them, right? That keeps them more yeah. comfortable and whatever. So exactly. Exactly. But yes, I mean, it can help with that. It can help with restlessness. It can help with stress. Um, and it feels like you're kind of getting this big hug, but not in a claustrophobic way. Right. Right. So okay. it's, it's a really nice, heavy blanket. And so you can get a cooling for if you're like a hot sleeper, you can get a cooling one. Um, okay. If you are, you know, if you like something co cozy, you can get like a fleece one. What about, do you know what, like, what about sleep aids like that things, like, or like a weighted blanket? What else can you think of that you suggest to people for things that you can buy that help with your sleep? Like, is there, like, um, what about, um, like salt lamps or do you know what I mean? Like anything like that? I know it sounds like some weird, some yeah, I mean, salt lamps can be helpful. I think it's more about also things that help you calm down before bed. Okay. It can be really helpful. Um, mm -hmm. like a diffuser. Um, if you like lavender or anything that's calming for you. Um, I mean, there are things that you can buy like cooling sheets and cooling pillows and, and things like that. It's really about preference. Um, 
What yeah, about pillows? What about pillows? Like, does the, does, the, does the position of your neck and whether you sleep on your back or your side or your stomach make a difference in the in the quality of your sleep? Like, do you dream better and get deeper REM sleep when you're on your back as opposed to your front? Like, any anything to? So in general, um, sleeping on your left is really good for airflow, which is why if you think you have um, sleep apnea, a lot of people say to sleep on your left or when you're pregnant, you sleep on your left. Yeah, yeah. Um, Now you said something last time, and I said I needed to Google it, that do you have more dreams on your left side? And I said I really hadn't heard of it. And I Googled and you do have more nightmares on your left side. (laughs) And you have more positive dreams on your right side, which I think is so interesting. Yes, that's Um, right. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then also like, um, if you if you think you may have sleep apnea or something, then you might not want to be on your back because that can be a worse position for your back if you're not being treated with a CPAP. So then, or at least like an elevated head or something like that. So every person is different, but usually um, side sleeping is the most recommended way in general. Okay. You, you touched on a couple of things. Um, dreams. Like, does it, it is, does dreaming indicate a better quality sleep or a deeper sleep or what's with that? What if you don't dream? Cause I'm like a non-dreamer. I actually didn't believe people actually dreamed in the detail. Really? When I was young. Yeah. And when I was young, I never, I never had dreams. And then my friends would talk about their very, like, I have this daughter who her dreams are like, so real life. She can go on to explain them for hours after they're done. I can't, I never even remember a dream. I don't, I didn't even think dreaming was real until I was older. So what is that? If, what if you don't dream, okay. what if you dream? So everyone dreams, just like everyone wakes up multiple times or comes to the surface of sleep multiple times during a night. Okay. We just don't necessarily remember it. So you're more likely to remember a dream when you wake up during REM sleep. REM mm-hmm. is rapid eye movement. So you can even see it in dogs sometimes when their eyes are closed and they're like shifting yeah. back and forth. That's rapid okay. eye movement. Okay. And you get more REM sleep. So that dream sleep is more often... Um, it, the REM sleep gets longer as the night goes on. Yes. It starts like 10 minutes and it builds and builds and builds, it gets, right? It builds and builds. So you have more REM sleep towards the morning. So when you are sleeping later, let's say, which a lot of us have been doing during the pandemic, if we're not commuting, then we tend to have more REM sleep and more dreams, or we're more likely to wake up during that REM sleep because it takes up more of our sleep cycle. Okay. And we remember that more. So the reason why um, in that, in our dream sleep, we're actually processing our emotions. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're a lot of the time dreaming about things that happen, things that we're worried about, um, people worried about running into or something like that is very common. Yeah. And we're dreaming about that because we're processing our emotions. So we all right. dream. It's just, we don't all remember our dreams. So not necessarily an indication of getting a good sleep or not a good sleep based on if you can remember your dreams or not. Like not necessarily, although it could indicate like if we're super active in our sleep, Mm -hmm. then the quality of our sleep might not be so good. Um, And also certain medications can also make your dreams more vivid Mm -hmm. and things like that. So that's something to keep in mind too. Yeah. Like that calm magnesium. When people start taking the calm magnesium, it helps them get that, that little bit better sleep. And then they tend to have nightmares. And I think that's because you're embarking on this huge thing. you got lots of fields about it. So you are getting the sleep so that those dreams are working through all those big fields, right? For sure. Absolutely. We're processing. And also when we're sleeping, we're, we're going through, it helps with our memory, like memory consolidation. So we're figuring out what to hold on to and what to let go of. So in a sense, we're sleeping to remember and we're also sleeping to forget. How important is sleep? Like, like how important is it? Um, well, I'm obviously going to say it's super important, but <laughs> the truth is it really is. It We sleep for a third of our lives. And like I said earlier, we, we don't always add it into the equation. We talk about um, exercise. We talk about diet. But these things go hand in hand with sleep. And mm-hmm. sleep is so important for, forget just like our mood, but also our mental health. Yeah. Sleep deprivation is so closely correlated with more anxiety, more depression, more suicide, Mm -hmm. um, more substance use, more risky behaviors, especially in teens and looking at um, risky behaviors. Um, We're going to see more of that. It's so closely related to um, our physical health. We are much more likely when we're sleep deprived to have a cancer diagnosis, to Mm -hmm. have a stroke, to have heart issues, to have diabetes, um, 
21% of all cases of obesity are connected, are connected to a lack oh. of sleep. So mm -hmm. it is so strongly correlated. It's so strongly yeah. connected. Yeah. And we talk about getting sleep and the benefits of it, but no one really talks about like what starts to happen, the systematic breakdown of your body, especially compiled over years when you're not getting good sleep, like you think, oh, we're just not getting good sleep, but we're really not really understanding the impact that that has on our health. And it's, it's huge. It's huge. It's huge. And it's scary. And I think people are finally starting to realize it because mm -hmm. this whole mentality of, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. I mean, in height, like that was cool. I remember my friend's hockey coach said that. He's like, that's a cool thing. Like I'm just going to be dead sooner than later. If you're not sleeping. Exactly. So I think that mentality of like, oh, I'll pull on an all nighter or telling your boss, I stayed up all night working on this. When you do that, you're going to end up being less productive, make poor decisions, take more sick days, and you're not going to be as productive at work when you're not sleeping as well. Yeah. And even just combining that with stress, like I notice when my stress levels are high and I love what I do, I love what I freaking do. Um, but you know, life is busy and it's stressful. And what'll happen to me if I'm not getting to sleep and I'm not getting, and I'm in my stress is not under control. I, I actually start using the wrong words. My, I can notice my speech is slow. Like I can actually really tell, like I'll start calling the, the fireplace, a stove and a, you know, a stove, a barbecue, like, you know, just like little things like that. And I think, what am I getting Alzheimer's here with? Whatever, but no joke that they've done studies now where lack of sleep is feeding into those lifestyle diseases. And that's sort of how they're progressing. And a big part of sleep and lack and not managing your stress is feeding into those. Like you can you can feel them already. I'm starting to like losing my mind a little bit, you know, and that's because I'm not sleeping, not managing my stress. And whenever I do get a rain on my sleep and manage my stress, I, I am like, I pull, I'm like, okay, yeah, no, I'm good. I know that's a stove and I know that's my fireplace and I'm, I'm okay, but like, I, it, it, you can, it affects you. Right. So you think over years and years and years and years, it's quite damaging. Okay. Now for that depressing conversation, let's get back to talking about good quality sleeps. You mentioned sleep apnea. So I wanted to, cause you talked about if you sleep, you know, you might want to be a sleep apnea, you might want to work. How do you know you have it and then who are the doctors like you're a sleep expert but like who are the doctors that we go to do we go to our home our doctor and it's like i'm not sleeping he gives me some pills some anti-anxiety meds like what am i doing there should he be sending me to a, what's the ideal situation a sleep expert a sleep clinic like where do we go who do we talk to about okay so how would you know if you have a sleep issue yeah so the easiest one is if someone tells you that you're snoring or snoring really loudly or gasping in your sleep. And sometimes snoring can be normal, but it's not something to be ignored. Mm -hmm. um, if you're gasping in your sleep is a huge one. Like, so you can you be, does being extra tired make you snore and drinking alcohol? What are the things that would make you drinking snore? alcohol? Yes. Yeah. Um, being extra tired, like some people report it, but either way, if you're regularly snoring, it's something okay. to look into. Regularly snoring. Okay. Got it. Okay. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and then if we're super tired during the day, so you're getting what you feel is the right amount of sleep, mm -hmm. but you are still really tired during the day yeah. is an indicator. And I mean, if you were thinking that they're getting the sleep, like, you know, you're sleeping, like I know I wake up a million times, but if you know, you're sleeping throughout the whole night, but you're still waking up and you're not getting well, if you're not feeling well rested, then there could be, you have a, you, there might be an issue. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Something okay. about your sleep. And a lot of people can tell like something's off. I get a lot of calls where like, I'm not having trouble falling asleep. I'm not having trouble staying asleep, but I'm not sleeping well. Yeah. Sometimes you can tell, sometimes you can't. Um, but those would be common indicators. If you're really not being able to get through your day without a nap um, yeah. and you're not able to like do what you usually do in a day, I would go and talk to your doctor. Now your doctor may, um, have a strong awareness of sleep and may not because it's not something that all doctors will know if it's not their area. So you yep. could go to a sleep medicine doctor and there are sleep clinics that you can go to. You may need a sleep study, a um, polysomnogram where they would, you know, hook you up to electrodes and see what's actually happening in your sleep. That might be important. There are melatonin tests to see if you're producing enough melatonin. Okay. Good to know. So like, so when you say to somebody like, okay, there are these sleep clinics and I'm, I'm imagining people, you got the electrodes on you. People are sleeping in these little rooms. People are watching them while they sleep. Yeah. Like, but is that for the average person or is that for like really extreme cases? Like, how do I know that I need to go to that extent? Like I'm just a normal person. I'm a new mom or I'm this, or I just, I'm starting a new job or the pandemic. Like, how do I know? Like, 
I mean, obviously when cognitively you're kind of losing it a little bit, like is the sleep, is a sleep study or a sleep, sleep place like that for the average person? Or is it just, or is this for like, you know, someone who can't sleep for 10 days or something like, who's that for? can be, but it would probably be not the first step. The first step would be trying to reach out to someone like me um, and trying to figure out, getting to the root cause. Am I, is it stress related? Is it anxiety related? Um, Is it a scheduling issue? Is it sleep hygiene? Do I need to kind of do like a bit of a reset and, and get back to how I used to sleep? So that's things that I would do. I'm talking more like if you're gasping in your sleep, if you're only suddenly able to fall asleep at five in the morning and like, if, if you think it's something more medical, that's when I would go to a, a sleep okay. clinic. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Or okay. if you have extreme, you're doing things in your sleep, like parasomnias that you're not supposed to be doing, which can be normal. Some t- people like sleep and walk in their sleep, sleep and sleep and, sleep and eat. We, we get people who sleep and eat. Yeah. So if it's extreme and people are leaving the houses or becoming aggressive or certain things in their sleep like that's also a reason that you're going to want to go to a sleep clinic got it okay got it got it got it um let's talk to back to environment uh the bedroom taking your like like scented candles dim the lights like what are we talking about okay so i like to call it the four c's so want to cut out the lights we want it to be cool consistent sound and comfortable so the first one is cutting out the lights Okay. We want it to be as dark as possible. And this is really important for before bed, we want to have dim light because dim light helps us prepare for bed and it helps us like kind of mimic sunset. So we're not just getting into bed, lights off, trying to fall asleep, but you're kind of wide awake. What about TV? When- you have TV on and lights off or should you keep lights low and TV on? So ideally we're not having screens one hour before bed. One hour before bed, that you're pretty, you're like one hour before bed? Yes. And not, and like I said, we can be a little bit gray and not all screens are equal. Like if you need a screen before bed, TV is probably better than, um, than a phone. And your phone. Yeah. I try to, I try to like, as soon as I'm done the live, I try to like leave my phone in my office or like give it to Tony. Cause I'll be working. I'll be answering people's questions in there. I want to see how people are doing. Um, cause I can't help myself. Um, so I'll, I'll tell him to just take it. So I don't go on it. So it's definitely the, it's a big, big screen TV. So, but do I yeah. keep my lights low? Like, do I keep my lights like for the sake of like the dimming? So I go from like bright to obviously like, do I keep the TV on and the lights sort of low or do I turn the lights off and try to make it as dark as possible? And then an hour before I turn that TV off. You can dim light starting in like the late evening before you go to bed. But ideally what I'm talking about is you're doing your thing. You're watching TV. Ideally you're not having it watching TV in bed. But you've already made so many improvements to you that we're getting there. Don't worry. You've already moved your office. So we're good. But ideally, ideally. Tony's, our- listening, to, Tony's listening to the conversation. It's like, we ain't giving up our TV. No, okay. we're not okay. giving up our TV. He's already angry at me for all the bedding you bought. So it's okay. But <laughs> what I um, would say is we only want to be in our bedroom. And again, we're going to take this with a grain of salt if we're sleeping beautifully. If we're trying to work on our sleep, a half an hour before bed is our bedtime routine. Anything longer than that, we're confusing our body. Is our bed for sleeping? Is our bed for being awake? Is our bed for taking a a phone call for work? It's confusing. We want our bed to be this sanctuary, our room to be this sanctuary, this calming place. So when you go into your room, you wash up, come out, dim the lights, and then you have like 20 minutes to 30 minutes of something relaxing that you're doing before bed. Mm -hmm reading you're doing crossword puzzle um something like that and then I'm thinking of crossword puzzles how angry it would make me because I'm like we'll never be one so I'm just like in my head anyways so you're doing think of the word all night long what is it three down four. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so you're doing something relaxing and then lights go out and like I said this is kind of like we're we're showing our body hey the sun's going down even though it went down a long time ago and yeah. we get back to that natural idea of like it gets dark and I go to bed so this we is, wanted to start, yeah this is hitting me this is really hitting me it's like I I totally just didn't want to hear this part of the conversation last time like I'm all like high and mighty because I moved my office out of my room but 
Man, I'm going like from the lab to my bed and in bed for hours watching TV. And I, you said this last time, you know, it's so funny because, so I have a living room space. We moved into the house and then my son got sick, a little bit chaotic. We haven't had time to get a couch. And then, you know, it takes like, seems to take me 18 weeks to get a couch. And so we have these two couches that are really not comfortable for watching TV with the family. So we don't really like, because I work and do a 7 p.m. live and our office is downstairs, I immediately go and go from there up into my bedroom. And I've said, I've been saying the last couple of days, like we're not getting that family time hanging out watching TV because we don't have comfortable couches. So today I'm like, I'm buying a couch. Um, but that's besides the facts going to come. But this sort of reminded me that this is part of that why is that, you know, we, we have dinner or we, like we have dinner, I'll go do my live, we come back upstairs, we can watch a bit of TV, hang out with the kids. And then when it's time to go to bed, it's time to go to bed. And this is yeah. majorly, I don't want to give this up. I don't want to give up lying in my bed for hours. I know it is hard, I but I sleep like shit and I feel like shit every day. My team is like, so how'd you sleep? It's like, oh, fuck, don't even talk to me about it. Like crap, like crap, like crap, like crap. But I got to pull out the big guns. This is a big move. And I, it's like, I totally forgot you said this last time. Like we may, we may not, we might have to step out of my comfort zone here. You know, because I want to have quality time with my kids. They're teenagers, right? So they're all like going to their beds anyway. But if we're all kind of hanging out and sometimes we pull the couches together and we have movie night, but it's not comfortable. It's not conducive to the environment of hanging out downstairs before bed. And that's part of like, yes, you can under, you can know that you shouldn't be in your bed, but we also have to make changes to other areas so that we're making it more realistic for ourselves. It's kind of like saying, um, don't eat like, a chocolate for dinner but not having anything else in the house like you have to replace it with something yeah so it's the same thing like if we're if we're not having your bed be the place that you're going to hang out at night we have to replace replace it some with something else so yeah. make your living room more comfortable getting those new couches sorry tony um <laughs> getting a dog <laughs> redoing everything no but we have to make it more comfortable so making sure so that's one making yeah. it nice and dark yeah. Other one is the next one is um, we'll go to consistent sound. So yeah. making sure a, that nothing's waking us up overnight, but also we want consistent sound so that it's helping lull us back to sleep in between those sleep cycles. We all have partial arousals. So we yeah. have a sleep cycle. We kind of come to the surface of sleep. We go back to bed. Mm -hmm. If we're bothered by a sound or something like that, or a neighbor is being loud or something, we're more likely to get out of that sleep cycle. And now we can't fall back asleep. Are there people who are more sensitive sleepers than either? Is there something to be said from that when people say I'm a sensitive sleeper? Absolutely. Yeah, there's people who wake up much more easily than others. So would, would a sound machine or something work well for them? Absolutely. So you can have a sound machine. Um, some people like a fan. Okay. Um, as long as it's not um, sound that's not consistent so not music throughout the night because that it can affect our brain activity while we're sleeping. Like like not you you want like a hmm like a mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. like that's what you mean like you know consistent that you mean exactly okay. exactly so um yeah so like ocean waves white noise things like that rather than music now a lot of us like falling asleep to music i do mm -hmm. as long as we're not needing it in the middle of the night if we wake up to get back to sleep so we're not like recognizing that something's changed and okay. as long as it cuts off after like half an hour however long okay then that's fine. okay so consistent okay. sound, we talked already about cool, um, cutting out the lights. And the last thing is being comfortable. And we talked a little about this. So making sure that if we want separate blankets or a weighted blanket, and making sure we're comfortable in our room and that our room is this calming place for us that's really used mostly just for sleep. Yeah. And those yeah. are the four C's that I like to talk about when I'm talking about a sleep environment. It makes sense because it's just, it's welcoming. Whereas even just taking my work stuff out of the space, I, I recognize the change in my brain. So if I took that a step further and created this really like sleep conducive environment, you know, obviously it's going to scream and then my body will be wired to that. And it's going to be out of habit. When I walk into that environment, it means sleep and I follow through with sleep. And then I'm consistent about making, I get it. I get it how it works. Yeah, and our okay. body recognizes spaces as like, um, it's kind of like how I explain it sometimes is going to the emergency room. Hmm. When I go to the emergency room, I instantly, for whatever reason, I instantly get anxious. I get physically ill. I, yeah. I'm not okay because it's it's, like the times in the past where I've had to go to emergency. 
whereas um, my sister-in-law is a doctor and when she goes to emergency, she has a coffee, she has whatever she has and she's totally not anxious at all. This is, this is life, this is work. So mm-hmm. you wanna, when you have a space that you're constantly associating with something, our body recognizes it. So if you are working all day in your room and it was anxiety provoking and your boss got upset with you and you had a deadline and you're crazy yeah. on your laptop working, and then all of a sudden you just want to go to bed and use that space for sleeping, you're already associating it with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So we have to reframe what that room is and make sure that like the anxiety stays out in a different room. And this yeah. the room is just for calm, just for sleeping and you're reading and you're annoying crosswords that we can't do. It makes total sense. What about um, like sleep watches and those like, what what about those sleep things? Like to me, I don't know. It might stress me out if I'm wearing this thing. I also think, you know, I don't know. Like I try to turn my, my Wi-Fi off on my phone. Like, I don't know if it helps or not, if that makes a difference. But what about these gadgets that people are, you sure. know, or sleep trackers? What do you think about them? So turning Wi-Fi off is great, of course. But in mm-hmm. terms of the sleep trackers, I mean, as long as we're not becoming obsessed with them, because we tend to really... Yeah get uh, very fixated on our sleep and it can cause a lot of anxiety and sleep is something sometimes Mm. the more focus we put on it and we want to make these changes but sometimes the harder we try the more sleep issues we experience and we get very I swear that's what's happening to me I'm stressing myself out over trying to get better sleep but then I'm actually not doing the things that I need to do to actually get the better sleep Right. So yeah, you are, you're making changes. It's all about making little changes. We can't expect to like, I'm going to start going to gym and then every day, all the day spent. Yeah. So you're doing amazing. Good point. Um, Thank you. Good but point. we want to, sorry, I forgot what I was saying. Trackers, uh, watches and stuff like that. Tracking yes, your sorry. Sleep. Okay. Yes. So for trackers, um, the, it depends obviously on the tracker, but most commercial trackers are really good at showing you when you're awake and when you're asleep, but not okay. all are accurate in terms of how much deep sleep, how much REM sleep mm-hmm. and, and how much light sleep. So it's more of a focus on like knowing how much you slept at night, but it's not necessarily going to be as accurate um, from the research. So maybe, that I- so maybe a measure of like improving, like you'd be able to see improvements in your sleep happening, but not like detailed. If you want the real detailed information of what's going on, go to a sleep clinic and, and actually find out. Exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah. I would imagine they're kind of like a uh, scale that measures body fat. Like they're really only true is like underwater weighing and, you know, maybe sometimes the electrodes are kind of maybe work decent, but you're not going to be able to stand on a scale and have an accurate measure of body fat. You know, it can do what it can do. It can, ma- it can measure the changes in your body, but to your point, a watch can, that you're wearing can only do so much. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. Okay. What about, um, what about the full moon? <laughs> Does it mess with their sleep? It's such a weird question. I know. Um, and when I remember when that someone first asked me, I was like, full moon. But yes, the full moon, and it sounds comical, but it's not. A full moon can actually affect your sleep. Mm-hmm. And um, when there's a full moon, people are less likely to have as good quality sleep. It takes longer to fall asleep. Um, and scientific evidence really does show this. And they're not sure why. Some idea is that maybe it's because, and this would make total sense, the light reflecting back down to earth. Yeah, okay. It's more light. And we just talked about how that is really important. And it also could be some sort of gravitational pull. Like lunar phases, like maybe resetting your circadian rhythm or something? Maybe. It could. It could. <laughs> like, it, it really is a thing. It really, really is a thing. I'm not joking. Yeah. Well, the other day, I mean, I don't, don't get sleep, but I, I did, particularly didn't get a great sleep. So I didn't sleep great. And our team didn't. It's like, nobody slept great that night. We're like, oh, it must've been like a full moon or something. I don't know. Okay. I'm i uh, I'm cognizant of our time, but there's a couple of things I want to talk about shift workers. So, yes. and, and supplements, um, shift workers, and then supplements, things like melatonin, CBD oil, natural things like that. So I don't know which one do you want to tackle first? I honestly think that these things are are the most important thing is to talk to your doctor about them because there's yeah. so much out there and it may not be right for you. Mm, okay. so with my practice, I don't usually talk about supplements or CBD. I use behavioral techniques. Oh, okay. um, and I sometimes work alongside a doctor. So I'll like connect with a doctor of a client that I'm working with to mm-hmm. develop a path for them. Yeah. But I am not recommending specific um, 
use of CBD or melatonin or anything like that. And melatonin is controversial yeah, if you don't have that. actual melatonin production issue. Melatonin mm. is sometimes people swear by it and it works and like, great. But a lot yeah. of the time it's more for like things like jet lag. It affects your circadian rhythm mm. rather than just a sleep aid to fall asleep or to stay asleep. And melatonin is not regulated, at least yes. um, in only in three countries in the world is it actually regulated. So what we do don't you think about sleep pills? Like, what do you think about those over the counter sleep pills? Like I sent Tony to go grab me some. He just came back with a whack, like night all. It took two. I was awake all night, did not sleep. Not, did the sleep pills did not make, I was literally did not, I was awake, wide awake all night long. And then there's the natural ones. They don't work for shit. The idea is to, yes, there are a million different band-aid solutions for sleep. Oh, good point. And I don't think that getting a prescription, for example, a prescription sleeping pill from your doctor after speaking with them and needing a pill, that's not what I'm talking about. Some people yeah. need sleeping pills and like hundred percent, of course, most doctors will say, we don't want to use this long-term they can be addictive. Yeah. We want to get to the root cause of the problem. And that's where CBTI comes in, cognitive yeah. behavioral therapy for insomnia. But I mean, as a short-term band-aid, certain things can work and you can talk to your doctor about what you're going to use for a short term. But ideally we want to get to the root of the problem and the causes and change our lifestyle so that we can um, kind of have long-term better sleep. That's what we want. Good, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Then what did the shift workers do? How do they do that 24 hours awake and then get into a normal sleep cycle or work five nights in a row and then have to switch that up, work five days in a row? Like what the? Yes, it's really, really tricky. I work with shift workers a lot. I used to work with them on like a crisis unit when I was um, in that field, in the mm -hmm. mental health field. And I also now in my sleep practice work with a lot of um, uh, firefighters and, and nurses and shift workers. Yeah. And the idea is that they don't have the luxury of getting up and going to sleep at the same time every day. So mm -hmm. we're losing that. Now, yeah. a lot of people are not in who are shift workers, not a lot of people, but some are startled awake and need to get up right away. If you're on call um, in the hospital or you are yeah. a firefighter. Oh God. I just, that stresses me. Just the thought of that. Oh my God, this yes. is so stressful. How do you even sleep when you know you get might get woken up? Okay, yeah. All right. And it's not just you might get woken up, is when you get woken up, you're on. Yeah. You're awake, you're on. And then you go home and you have a crying baby at home and the baby just makes a little bit of a stir and you're like, oh, I'm up. Yeah. And you have trained your body to do that. So it's hard. So the most important thing when it comes to shift work is using all of the other sleep tools because we can't solve, we can't deal with that one. It's kind of like treating symptoms of like a disease rather than curing the, the actual, dealing with the actual root yeah. cause. So mm -hmm. for shift workers, we're looking at things like sleep hygiene, um, creating rituals and routines before bed is the most important thing to cue our bodies, cue our minds for sleep, focus on what we're eating, focus on activities that we're doing. Are we expending enough energy during the day? Making sure that it's so dark at night. Um, yeah certain cues for our body that help us shut off. And for shift workers, we have to pay even more, um, more attention yeah. to these things. Like if you're a shift worker, you need to take that TV out of your room. You need to make your room an oasis of sleep. Like that needs to be your sanctuary. You don't have wiggle room because you can't make it up. You can't maximize another area. You have to maximize in other areas because you can only do what you can do. Yeah, exactly. And also negotiation in the household with, yeah when are you, what are you doing when are you doing it how can everyone work around each other's yeah. schedule so that we have a quiet environment no okay. sleep it is really really tricky maximize your efforts let's talk about and i know you have a couple you have a couple techniques to orbit and get up you want to talk about but what i do want to talk about before we get into that is what about falling asleep and like like falling asleep and then and waking up in the middle of the night and not be able to get back to sleep? Do we the, do we lie there or do we get up? Do we turn the TV on then? Do we get out of our beds if we can't sleep and then try to come back in later? Like, what's the protocol for that? Okay, so this is something called the half hour half hour rule. Half in, yeah, half hour half hour, or I call it the thirty thirty rule. Okay, thirty thirty. Okay, half hour thirty thirty rule. So what this is is we don't want to spend time awake in our bed because we want a high sleep efficiency, which is how much time we're spending asleep in our bed divided by how much time we're actually in our bed in general. Okay, got right? it. So that means that when we're in bed, 
we want to be sleeping. We don't want to be awake in bed. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens when we have trouble falling asleep, sleep onset, insomnia, or just trouble falling asleep, not necessarily a diagnosis or sleep maintenance issues when we can't fall back asleep when we wake up in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And this is when we practice the 30, 30 rule. What okay. is it? It means that I don't want you staring at a clock, but if it's been about 20 to 30 minutes and you're having trouble falling asleep, the idea is to get out of bed and it, you have to push yourself because it's annoying because you might say, oh, like 10 more minutes and I'll sleep. Get out of bed. Different area. Of course, not bright lights on as dim as possible. Okay. Go to a different room. Do something nice and calming and relaxing for at least 20 to 30 minutes. Even if that means TV, so be it. But a puzzle, a book, whatever it is, only after 20 to 30 minutes and we're drowsy, meaning not just tired and annoyed, but actually feel like we're ready to go to sleep. Then yeah. we're going to go back to our beds. Like and maybe we're reading to- a book or something. And we're going to do the same thing again. What about like, if I, can I make a tea? <laughs> if I'm yeah. to in the morning? hundred percent. Like, like not down and, Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. But yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. You can. But really we're resetting. We're getting resetting. up, doing something else. And then we're coming back. Okay. So this is the 30, 30 rule. And it is really, really helpful. Um, for adults, when I'm working with teens, it's a little bit too exciting to say, oh yeah, if you can't sleep. I tried it once. I did it with a 12 year old and I regretted it instantly. Mom wanted to kill me. Um, so and I, days, up at two in the morning. It was so bad. It was so bad. Um, <laughs> so instead, then I would say if you're, if you're, if people are worried about their kids, then you can try something like this, but say, okay, get up, go to the washroom, you know, walk around in the hallway for a minute and come back to bed so it's nothing exciting but it's the same as like you need to take a study break you can't mm-hmm. focus so you go and you okay. go for a walk or something like that you're coming back okay got it all right let's talk about orbit what is orbit orbit okay so orbit is what i recommend when you can't when you the 30 30 is rule and you're trying but you can't fall asleep Orbit is more for when you are feeling really riled up at bedtime, you're anxious about something, or you're just not ready to sleep. Instead of getting into bed with a racing mind, because this is so common, this is like the number one thing that I see with people today coming to me is that they can't shut off their mind when we're going to sleep. That's me. That's me. My brain. But some of my best ideas come when I'm lying there awake, and I'm like, I know. (laughs) I know. So what we need to do, part of it is when you have that idea, grab a pen and paper next to your bed and write it down. And now it's done. Oh, forgot someone's birthday tomorrow. Write it down. Done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a big step. Yeah. So, um, orbit, the first thing we want to do is organize our thoughts before bed, process our emotions, whether that means talking to someone, writing in a journal, but if we go to bed with all of this jumble in our head, it's going to be really difficult to get to bed. And for a lot of us, this is the first time in the day when we're so busy that we yeah. can find just think. So, oh, I love that. So organize my thoughts. Take a minute to actively organize my thoughts before I go to bed so I can kind of decompress them, make any notes I need to make and be done with it and be ready. Yeah. For some of us, this may even be like chatting to a friend or something like that. For yeah. me, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I make a list of everything I have to do the next day. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily even look at it the next day. But I have a list and it's very, very basic, but it makes me feel better that I, it's out of my mind. Got it. Okay. Good. The first is organize our thoughts. Then we want to, um, our reset. If we're feeling overwhelmed, don't just stay there. The same idea as 30, 30, leave the room, go get a sip of water, organize whatever you need to organize, and then come back when you're feeling better. And that could literally be like five minutes, 10 minutes. Sometimes it means like you're so stressed out because there's so much to do the next day and the kitchen's in a mess. Go organize it for 10 minutes. Go to bed 10 minutes later, if that means, but go to bed a little bit with a clearer mind. Got it. And for those of you writing down, taking notes, um, Julie actually did a post on this outlining orbit for you guys. So we'll, we'll repost it as soon as we're done this segment. We'll get that up and you guys can review. So if you've made yes. notes on it, we, we've already made the notes for you. Already made and last time okay. we forgot the tea and everyone was like, what's the tea? What's the tea in orbit? <laughs> we're going to get to it. So. B is breathing. 
Try some sort of breathing exercise that is good for you. Practice this during the day to find something that you like. And only then would I start to use it at bedtime. Because if you only use it when you're anxious, then it becomes anxiety provoking. So a lot of different breathing exercises can make you more angry based on if you'd like them or not. So find something that's calming, whether it's like a guided visualization, you're in a forest, you, you know, whatever it is, or it's breathing, counting, holding in for four, breathing in, holding and out for eight, something like that. And through your nose to your deep breathing through your nose, one of the things you can do is put your tongue actually when you're sleeping to the top of your mouth. And that'll cause you to breathe in through your nose. But I know what you're saying, because whenever I do a technique, I'm like, it's deep, 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 deep in and exhale as far as I can out. But man, it, it is annoying. When I first started, I get this feeling in my stomach. I don't like it. I'm all stressed out. I'm not relaxed. And by the end, I'm feeling amazing. I'm like, why don't I do this every night? But man, it is, it's like this anxious feeling when I start. And sometimes I think, oh my God, I can't breathe. And like, I freak myself out. <laughs> So I try to break it down into like, there's mindfulness when the art of like paying attention on purpose and like practicing that, that sitting and tolerating something. Mm -hmm. And then there's relaxation. So when I'm talking about like, yes, in general, mindfulness practice is amazing. When I'm talking about finding something, relaxation, relaxing for sleep, it's a breathing exercise that you like that makes you feel calm. Yeah. It's not trying to get to sleep is not when you try to conquer your issues. <laughs> you know? okay. so, yeah, exactly. yeah. So breathing yeah. and yeah. then uh, I, I, I will sleep. I can do this. I always get sleep. I will fall asleep. It's positive self-talk. Yeah. And one of the biggest things with insomnia is these negative sleep thoughts. Oh my God, I'm going to do so badly tomorrow. I'm going to bomb my test. I'm going to oversleep. I'm, I'm not going to be able to get through the day. It's positive self-talk that shifts that negative sleep thought to a positive sleep thought. And that's called cognitive restructuring, another big component of CBTI. Yeah. So it's positive self-talk. Sometimes saying it out loud is helpful so that you're not only thinking it and hearing it. Oh, I'm going to be yeah. this happens to me every night. I'm going to fall asleep. It's just going to take me a hell of a long time, but it'll be okay. Yeah, I recognize like even I got into a bad cycle of this this week thinking oh, I'm never going to get sleep never gonna, and I just said Gina you're just you know how this works you're just recreate you're just creating bad sleep every night like you're just self prophesizing or whatever like self fulfilling prophecies. You know what I mean? Like I'm walking around saying I'm never going to get these people chances are I won't and also it closes your mind off to the things that you can do to get good sleep when you've just decided you're never going to get it, right? So okay, I love that. So what's tea? What's tea? Exactly. Tea so simple. Just try again. <laughs> Just go back. It was okay. so anti when no one knew what it was. Like, try again. That's when you want to go back to your room, get into bed and just try again in the end. Very simple. <sighs> okay, good. I love this. You made notes for us. And you have another one. It's the, your last one. It's called get up. What yes, is that? get up. So this is when you are feeling like um, you haven't slept well the night before. Mm-hmm. And you need something like, how am I going to get through the day? The answer is get up. It's very, very simple. Just simple things to remember. One is get dressed, separate the day from the night. So especially when you're home and you just kind of want to lay around in PJs all day. We're yeah, which I do. That doesn't help, I guess. Eh? It doesn't help. Yeah, you're yeah, get dressed and also make your bed. We need to, just like at bedtime, we're setting aside and reorganizing the open orbit, our thoughts. In the morning, we're separating day from the night the night from the day, we have to make a difference. So even if you're working in your room or you're in a dorm room and you don't have a choice, you have to stay in your room, get dressed, yeah. make bed. It feels like a different environment. So work with what you have. So that's yeah, because, I, because I do have that. Oh my God. How's my brain going to wake up? I like, I sit there in my room and before I get up, I'm like, hi everyone. Good morning. Happy Monday. Hi everyone. I could I do that until I actually feel like I can say it. It's like, I don't have the energy. My face is all wonky and I just like, can't do it. But like, once I do get up and I force myself to get up and do those things, all of a sudden I am awake. Right. Right. So you're, just, you're making a conscious effort. So you're saying make a conscious effort to get the fuck up, get up. Yes. Like you have a morning or nighttime routine, have a morning routine. Got That's it. really, um, E is exercise in the morning mm. in order to start our day. We want light as much as possible that helps shift our circadian rhythm so light yeah, we want to eat yeah. in the morning and exercise fresh air all of these things are really great so exercise is a great way to feel awake in the morning yeah. tea is for tea or coffee caffeine is helpful to obviously feel awake and get up when okay. we're having a really bad late night 
Okay. Um, and this is, is part of this is part of also breaking the fast, like breaking and the fast meaning breaking the sleep cycle almost. Like you're fasting at night. People, of course, taking that, of course, extremes weight loss wise. But you're breaking the fast, like you were sleeping, and now you're waking up, and you're telling your body, "I'm awake. It's go time. Here we go." Yeah. So you start chewing and drinking and moving and all of that stuff. Like obviously. Right. And that, that's that expenditure thing where you start using that energy yes. in your pocket all day long so that you can actually sleep at night. I get it. Okay. Where are we? So what, and then so you, so your coffee, okay. you is urgent tasks. Make sure that you do the things you need to get done earlier. Cause this will mm. decrease your anxiety. Mm. You don't want any of that anxiety carrying through with us the whole day. And then we get to bed. Oh shit. I didn't do this. And now we're all anxious again before bed. You can feel it when you have something to do and you're not doing it. It's like you carry the anxiousness yeah. with you all day long. Yeah. So when, instead of like the night before when like, oh God, I have so much to do. How am I going to get this? Do that thing first thing in the morning and tell yourself the night before, no problem. It's going to be a crappy night. I'm going to do this first thing. I'll get that out the way. I'll do the urgent yeah. things. For yeah. And then that. last is key for power nap. Take a power nap if you need it. Yeah. Not be like, ideally not more than a half an hour. And okay. power naps are fine as long as they're not interfering with your night sleep. So if you're able to sleep for 30 minutes, ideally not after like 4 p.m. And you're still able to sleep through the okay. night, yep. the next day, and it doesn't interfere, by all means, take a power nap. Yeah. And when, when people are doing this process, they find that they're extra tired. Their body's working hard. They're getting that interrupted sleep. They're getting up in the middle of the night to go pee and all of that stuff. So normally <clears throat> taking naps, you know, people have been told it messes with their sleep cycle, which obviously if you're sleeping too late and stuff, there are issues or they're sleeping too long. But sleep is like sleep, sleep is everything with this process. Like you gotta be getting good sleep. And it's so important with for like which we didn't even cover because there's so much to cover for weight loss and for yeah, um, that too. Like it's so so connected. So it's hard to anyways. It's for another day, but it is so close to connected. Well, we can have you back and talk specifically about that, or maybe we can get you to a post and we can talk about it. I mean, I would love that, obviously, right? Like, I think that so many, I mean, I'm sure you being a sleep expert, you've noticed people really struggling the last couple of years. Like this added stress to it is obviously perpetuating, you know, people's lack of sleep, I would imagine. Yeah, noticed? hundred percent. It's, it's, there's so many more cases of people having trouble falling asleep, shutting off at night. Um, sleeping through the night. I mean, even with the, I remember at the beginning of the pandemic and other things that have happened, I've had trouble shutting off. And it's, I'm in a sense, it's really good for me to experience myself because then I also can practice those techniques, get back on track. And I yeah. kind of relate to everyone experiencing this. I mean, I've dealt with sleep deprivation with my child before, with when I had babies, like when they yeah. were little, yeah. but this is a whole new experience of like being anxious, getting into bed and feeling wide awake and what we can actually do. Um, yeah. And I think, to be honest, we've all experienced it the past two years, whether we're great sleepers or not. It's a real thing. And back to our original conversation, we started talking like your sleep is a great indication of where your mental health is at. You know, like it's you need that you need the sleep to help with your mental health. So you take you're not getting sleep, your stress is out of control, you know, and your mental health is taking a hit. I mean, even just in trying to show up for yourself and be positive and work on this big thing and all the feels throughout that, right? Like, obviously, it's exhausting. And, so we need a cycle. Because the yeah. more, the less we sleep, the more anxious our mood goes down. That's the first thing that happens we'll notice is our mood and our relationships because of it. And um, we're more likely to be anxious, depressed, frustrated, snappy. And then more anxious and depressed we are, the more difficult it is to get good quality sleep and also to fall asleep. So it's, and then it just keeps, the vicious cycle keeps going. And then obviously that affects your motivation to just do anything right? Because you're just not feeling so hot physically, mentally, Absolutely. just tired. You just tired. Okay. Another amazing mind-blowing conversation. Um, people are going to want to reach out to you. Where they, where can they find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at glow sleep services um, or my website, glowsleep.ca, G-L-O-W sleep.ca. Okay. Um, right. And I mentioned last time, one of the awesome things is that as a social worker, I'm covered by benefits in Ontario. Oh. So you have um if you're looking for services um i'm also going to be starting to offer cbti groups instead of just individuals um and if you're looking um for i have a one week sleep challenge coming up you can just find me on instagram and dm me i might take you up on that i might just take you up on that i might take you up on that because i am on a mission i i need to get on a mission like i just i need to 
get my sleep under control. I know well, you're just- getting there, Gina. You're getting there. Look at your new office. Oh, world of difference, world of difference. Um, all because of you, but now I got some, I got some amazing more t- t- tips and takeaways. I, I mean, we we filled the time, and as I'm sure we would. So a lot of people were asking some questions. Um, you know, saying thank you, such great information, good stuff. I will add all your contact information to the top of this post, and then remind thank people you. it's going to be available as a podcast as well over on Acast, Apple, and Spotify, so people can watch it and they can more importantly share because whenever we have our guests on, people are like, "Can I share with my friends?" And you can't because the the group is private. But now you'll be able to share the podcast. So, Julia, thank you so much. Thank you. I got my list. I made some notes. Um, I like I said to everyone, we're going to re- repost her um, conversation and her uh, suggestions about Orbit. Um, so keep an eye out for that post. Um, Julia, thank you so much. Uh, thanks everyone for watching. Thanks for having me. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com